Thanks for joining us today, everyone. Today is another special edition of the podcast where we're going to talk about law enforcement and law enforcement mental health. Now, in the last few years, we've talked about this. It's been a tough year for cops with the protests, riots, national media, um, and politicians spewing anti-law enforcement rhetoric with baseless allegations of systemic racism or systemic use of force issues with law enforcement. We've had the defund police movement. We've had, uh, it's, it's changed from defund to uh, reform, reimagine, whatever the buzzword is now. Um, this job is stressful enough the way it is on its own merit without having to add all these stressors to the men and women who are serving our communities. Now, if you look at the numbers for this year, and Steve may correct me if I'm wrong, by the looks of it, it looks like we've had around 100 law enforcement suicides here in the United States this year. Now, that number in some years past has exceeded the number of line of duty deaths in our country, which is, to me, it's frightening with, uh, with, our, with, with our career and with our, our men and women who serve and their families and our agencies. Making sure our cops and their families are okay is more important now more than ever. And today we're going to share some information about a great national organization called First Help which is the parent organization of Blue Help. And joining, joining us today is Steve Huff, CEO of First Help. Steve, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you. I appreciate you having me here today. So did I get that right? So First Help is the, the parent organization, that is, correct? That, that is correct. We actually started out as Blue Help. Um, and then from there, we've grown so much that we have that parent organization now that uh, actually awesome. houses, houses four other uh, programs because now we have red help for firefighters we have gold help for communications officers That's and white help awesome. for paramedics and emt so we are up and running for all first responders so now this started with blue help is that right that is correct did start with blue help it started with uh uh myself uh dr uh, jeff mcgill he was my partner uh back in the day when we used to work together and karen solomon so she is, uh, at the time, she was a blogger, and I believe she wrote some books. And then uh, we, we wound up being in one of her books, uh, The Price They Pay. And then her and Dr. McGill actually uh, co-authored a book together. And then from there, we, we grew into Blue Help. That's and awesome. It's, it's just been a heck of a ride. So, so what's your background? You, you, have, you have a law enforcement background? I do. I am uh, coming up on 25 years in law enforcement. I will finish that up next year. I have worked at two agencies over at Oakley's County and then uh, over here in Walton County, which is where I'm currently employed. And then I also worked at the academy uh, down at the, the local college at Northwest Florida State College as a, a coordinator uh, okay. running law enforcement. So I literally have um, at this point in time, probably 27, 28 years in law so oh, thank you. Thank you for your service. What, so what's your current position now with law enforcement? I, I am a, uh, I'm an inspector. I do uh, polygraphs, backgrounds, do some analytical work, that kind of thing. Okay. Awesome. Well, thank you for your service. Now, what, what motivated you to get involved in, in this type of work with Blue Help or First Help? Well, I could tell you that um, short of about 10 years ago, uh, this would have been the furthest thing from my mind. Uh, 10 years ago, I was working as a, uh, a detective or a, an investigator, and we were working with the Marshals Task Force for Violent Fugitive Task Force. We were working gang intelligence. I mean, we were, we were running the gun, and we were doing uh, 
all kinds of things. And uh, we, uh, we, as in myself and Dr. McGill, we were actually in our uh, studies at that time for our bachelor's degree. I think he was working on master's degree. And we started learning and preparing ourselves back then. But then uh, in December, uh, uh, 10 years ago this year, uh, December 2011, wound up getting into a shootout. I got shot in the face, got shot a couple of times in the, in the leg. And uh, 10 months later, I'm coming back to work. But uh, I started, uh, it's one thing to know what's going to happen mentally as well right. as physically, but it's another thing to actually go through it. And once we started going through these different phases of recovery and dealing with these things and coming out with that personal growth, we were like, man, there's so much missing that we need to uh, do something about this. We need to push this mission forward. And, uh, and that's where like the three of us actually kind of came together and uh, Karen wrote her books and then things just kind of took off from there. Oh, so you've, so you've been, so you've struggled with the, I'm, I'm assuming stress and some PTSD from, from that kind of an incident. Yes, sir. Absolutely. It has, uh, it's been a, uh, for lack of a better term, a remarkable journey to actually right. uh, be able to go uh, live in those moments of isolation and anger and um, fear right. that, uh, you know, um, one of the first things that happened to me uh, that set me on my path with uh, that post-traumatic stress or that occupational stress was I was playing Xbox in the hospital and uh, I got a panic attack and it scared. I never had a panic attack before, so it scared the living heck out of me. Right. And so I put the Xbox down for three years. I didn't drink for three years after the shooting. The, all right. these things that I had learned, I was so afraid of, but there was so many other things going through uh, between with Jeff, my partner, um, some of the other guys that were there, Todd and John, uh, myself, and then pushing through that a couple of years later to come out on the other side and be able to maintain a, a daily balance is just, it, it was just incredible. So, wow. and that's what put us here. So that's, that's what really got us here was look, we need to, we need to make sure everybody understands these tools are readily available. And these things that we can do to protect our mental health are not, um, are not something that is just out of our grasp. It's, it's right here for us. So did everybody who was involved in your shooting, was everybody able to stay in law enforcement? Yes. They were. So every, everybody stayed in law enforcement. Um, I was, uh, I guess you could say I was the only fortunate one that caught the bullets that day. But like I say, when we talk about this is I wasn't the only one that got shot that day. We did. We learned a, a lot about how it affects other individuals. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, people absolutely. you don't even people you don't even know or you don't think, you know, uh, will come up to you years later and and you just don't understand what kind of a profound effect that incident had on people. Right. Absolutely. So when, what year was that? Uh, 2011. Okay. So 10, that's 10 years ago. Yes, sir. So, Coming up on so, the 10th year anniversary. So did your agency at the time have the, have the support available, whether a peer support team or, or did they have any kind of a mental health program for your cops then? Most people mm, didn't back then. No, absolutely not. Right. And, and I think that was one of the things that really drove us 
to uh, start Blue Help and start this mission was um, agencies and, and not just my agency uh, at the time. Uh, agencies across the United States are excellent at burying um, officers. Yep. They have processions, beautiful processions. They honor them well. But when they have somebody that actually uh, survives or uh, suffers from a cumulative stress instead of a critical incident type of stress, knowing what to do with those officers is a little bit more delicate and a We're little not bit good more difficult. It. Absolutely not. Absolutely We're not. not. Yeah. We're now I'll say this. We're making great strides, right? We've got a lot of agencies that are starting to pick that ball up and go, hey, look, we've got to take care of. Uh, the men and women of law enforcement, all of our first responders, they see these horrific things that most generally your general public will never, ever witness. Right. Um, uh, and, and, it, and it doesn't even have to be horrific things. I mean, just the day-to-day grind of answering right. domestics, answering these different calls. Right. It just has that effect. Yeah, no, so, absolutely. So we're seeing those agencies starting to step up, which is excellent. Yeah, when we're trying to push that here as well in Minnesota and, and throughout the Midwest, and um, so so your organization, what what services do you provide officers and families and agencies? What what does Blue Help do for people or First Help? So uh, first off, it, it what it really does is provides that awareness. Um, Blue Help really came into its own when we started tracking suicides of law enforcement officers. So, uh, number one, we, the first and foremost thing is the awareness aspect, right? We, right. we put the information out there to let folks know, Hey, uh, take care of yourselves, take care of that, that mental health. And we collect these numbers because nobody else does it. We're, uh, we're stepping into the training realm. Now we're being able to provide, we've tried a couple of different online trainings and we're going to do different trainings, uh, that will really uh, change the way that uh, people look at things. So these are, these are just things that uh, as we grow as an organization, we're gonna continue to do that. There are resources on our website. Uh, there's the availability to uh, go to firsthelp.net if you go there and you can actually uh, put in your information if you're feeling like you need a little bit of help and we can actually pull up information in your area and, and get that to you so that you can go you, if you need to talk to a counselor or you need to talk to someone. Um, those, those resources are available on the website. And then, uh, and then of course, it's just simply uh, going to the conferences, going to uh, agencies, uh, talking to these individuals, talking to the officers, talking to their spouses. You know, we don't limit just to the officer will right. will happily talk with spouses, family members, and and make that happen. So um, you know we like to look at uh, the the big picture of it. Yep. Um, when when we see that we have officers that have suicides that are reported, uh, if if the family wishes, we'll send them out some care packages and just let them know, hey, if you need anything, here we are. Um, and, and some, a lot of the times the families will come back into the fold. Of course, they have to go through their own grieving processes right, and they have right. to be able to accept those things. Right, right. So <clears throat> you talk about tracking numbers. Yes. Um, t- talk about the numbers or talk about the tr- trends. What are, you, what are you guys seeing? 
So what we have noticed, um, and uh, I'm looking at my dashboard as we're talking about this. So what we have noticed is that uh, our numbers are pretty consistent from meaning that they're, they're within a, uh, a certain range, if you will. So the numbers are staying usually between uh, 148 and 175, 180, somewhere in there every year. We did have the exception in 2019, where right now we're at 238 reported suicides. Um, now, again, we don't know, um, we, we don't speculate at all as to if there was an increase or a decrease, but what we do know is there's obviously been an increase of reporting. Right. So those are the numbers we stay with. Um, I can tell you this year, as you said, uh, Sheriff, we're right at 100. We've got 99, right? We've got four females and 95 males. So we track uh, different, different kinds of uh, statistical data in there. Our database collects over 30 points of, of data um, to to say that if an officer had issues in the past or if they've tried to go to an agency to get help, those kinds of things. Now that stuff's not reported uh, publicly right, because right. That's, that's private. But what right. we're hoping to do is to be able to grow a database that will allow us to start studying this and, and produce some uh, valuable information uh, to other entities that might be able to push some things out either legislatively or along those lines to help these guys out. Right. That's awesome. Um, yes, sir. Thank you. It's frightening. I mean, when you, when you talk about those numbers and you talk about, <clears throat> you talk about the ripple effect, um, I, I, I often equate it to uh, most of the stories that we do are line of duty death stories. Um, yes, sir. And uh, so coming up on the 26th, we have Corey Slivko's story. He was a sergeant up in South St. Paul. Um, uh, you know, one of those officers who, who worked his way up quick, uh, was super successful, um, beautiful wife. She had a successful career, um, two beautiful kids lived in a beautiful home in a beautiful neighborhood. You know, everything looked like, you know, it was, it was, he was living the American dream and, uh, right. and he was struggling. And, um, so with the families that you've helped, over over the time that you've been there have you seen it makes me wonder with uh with the the incident in minneapolis the incident in brooklyn center um you know going all the way back to ferguson frankly um, right have you seen things change as far as trend these numbers it's, I, and i don't know if i guess i don't know if it's our officers more apt to ask for help or if it's our families asking for help or or I don't, you know, I, I know my area in the Midwest and I know that while we're behind in, um, certainly in, in some of the rural counties, uh, having programs available, whether it's peer support or, 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 or whatever for mental health. Um, I just wonder how, how are we doing in the rest of the country? Well, and, and, and that's an excellent question because, um, we've got a number of things going on here. Uh, all it's almost like a trifecta. Right. So you've got, um, as you were saying, you've got all these different incidents that have been happening that got huge media coverage. Uh, you obviously at this point, and I don't want to make this a, uh, a, a political discussion, but obviously you've got bias right. against law enforcement throughout all of mainstream media at this Absolutely point. Absolutely there is. There's no uh, 
So uh, these officers, and then uh, you're, you've got the new breed coming in, right? So you've got uh, younger individuals that are coming in that are more apt to talk about how they're feeling, how they're doing, um, right. if, they're, if they need a little bit of help. And the old guard, like us, we're starting to phase out. Right. So, and you know, you know how we were. I, the same way I was 10 years ago. I don't need any help. Uh, I'm a cop. I'll handle it myself. Yep. Suck it so up. Deal with got, it. You, know? you got it. Yeah. So, so I think, um, I think right now our cops, our law enforcement officers are under an enormous amount of stress, even when they're off work, um, because they can't get away from it. They can't right. just turn off the TV or uh, get off the old book face and, um, or they can't get on there without seeing something right. negative towards right. their profession, towards what they do. But the flip side to that is, is like I said, we're starting to see uh, agencies such as in your area, our area, they're adopting these, um, uh, these programs to help officers, the Walton County Sheriff's Office. So they just stood up uh, their peer support program and they have a clinician coming in to assist with that offsite. So, uh, it's it's one of those things that's helping deal with that stigma of individuals that need that little boost from time to time, right. because because once our officers, uh, unfortunately for guys like us back in the uh, back in the older guard or maybe our guys that are coming out of the military that try and you know embrace the suck and just try and push through it themselves, yeah. when when people come out and say hey you know I do need a little bit of help they oftentimes get distanced. Right. Yeah, Even absolutely. sometimes their their friends come out and they'll kind of step away from them, that kind of thing. So really bridging that gap and going, man, that's great. I'm glad you said something. Let's go. You know, I'll take you there if you want or I'll you know, whatever you need. Right. So right. It's, it's definitely getting there. But uh, it's it's like like we said at the beginning, it's just a trifecta of so many different things. Officers are being watched more now than they've ever been. They've been scrutinized more than they've ever been. Uh, and deal with the coronavirus, uh, lockdowns over time, families can't get out. Um, yeah. Just just the, the plethora of different things going on right now. It's just, it's really hard, but we're seeing some headway. Yeah, I think, you know, and I think from, uh, from a Clio standpoint or a chief law enforcement officer, whether you're a chief or a PD or a sheriff or a, a sheriff's office, you know, it's a paradigm shift in how you manage. Um, Absolutely. And we have a responsibility as leaders to make sure we are encouraging and developing a working environment where it's okay to not be okay. Absolutely. You know, where our, where our guys and gals know that if they need to talk, you know, frankly, you know, we, we tell our folks, if, if a call's not, if, if you're taking all these bad calls one after another, after another, and it's not bothering you, then something is probably wrong with you. Exactly. You know what yes. I mean? Um, yes, indeed. Because yes, naturally, indeed. it's going to bother you. And everybody processes it differently. But for example, with our agency, it's a small agency. We have 34 sworn. And uh, uh, we have a peer support team. We have a clinician that we have on retainer who manages wow. our program. Nice. And, um, and it's an active program. In other words, it's a program that our staff is using. And for me, that's an eye-opener because you think... We, I used to hear administrators say, well, that you know, having a peer support team or doing 
or doing um, um, diffusings after an incident the same night or debriefings within 48 hours of two sleep cycles, they would tell me, well, that's a, that's a metro thing. You know, that's something you see in Minneapolis, St. Paul. Right. You, know, you see those in the metro areas. We don't do that kind of stuff in rural, you know, in, in, in the rural counties. We just, we don't need that. It's like, well, frankly, we're all dealing with the same stuff. It's just a different level and maybe a different Absolutely. frequency of it, but we're dealing with the same stuff. Absolutely. You know, yeah. So we got to make sure they're okay. No doubt about it. And, you know, I've gone on, I can't tell you how many podcasts and we talked about the uh, January 6th uh, riot or right. incident or whatever you want to call that, you know, and it's, and that's the very thing that I bring up. Uh, no agency in the United States could ever prepare itself no. for that magnitude of an incident. It's no. just not possible. Right. However, you do have your officers who are, uh, more inoculated to those stressors, um, probably in your bigger, as you, as you just said, in your right. bigger cities, they handle those calls more frequently. They do uh, more than our rural brothers and sisters. Right. So uh, that that inoculation factor to that stress is a, is a huge thing. And being able to take that and um, move it and get it out of the way by having those peer support uh, right. groups together and the clinicians and, and sheriff, it's like, I tell everybody, it's like some of the best stuff that I could do for myself now is I go sit out on my back deck and I light my pipe up and I talk to my wife about my day. Yep. And, and if I had a, if I had a crappy day, we talk about a crappy day. If I had a good day, but, uh, you know, that whole, uh, I'm fine syndrome where you come home and you take off your Superman suit and you're still processing all those things that went on for the day. And then uh, your significant other, your spouse, family members, hey, how are you today? I'm fine. Right. And really, you're not fine. Yeah. So, so um, you know, there's all kinds. And that's, and that's one of the things that we discuss is there's all kinds of different ways that these officers can just, uh, we can get our officers for lack of a better term, de-escalating themselves, right? They're calming themselves down even before they get to the house right. because people just, uh, people look at us in awe. Oh, right. we're the police. We're, we're, we're going to save you. But guess what? When we go home, you know what? We got bills to pay. Right. We got a kid, we got a right. kid that flunked, flunked his math test and we're going to have to ground them. Right. We've got same things going on that everybody else does. Right. So uh, put our pants on one leg at a time. We're the right. same as everybody else. We're part of so, the community. We're, you, you know, we talk, absolutely. I remind people that, you know, we, we, we're the, we're the people you meet in the grocery store. We, we sit next to you at the restaurant or at the, at the football game with the yes, kids. Sir. Our kids go to school together. You know, we're, 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 we're part of the community. And, absolutely. Uh, and while, while I would argue differently, most of our cops are going to say, well, we're just ordinary people, which they are. However, we're ordinary people. Are, the men and women on the street, they're ordinary people willing to take extraordinary risks Absolutely. every day for, for us and often for people they don't even know. That's right. And, um, and that stress doesn't end with the cop. I mean, that stress is with the spouse, whether it's a husband or a wife. That, you that, got stress, it. that stress lies with the, the kids who have, to, who have to deal with that and and with the the all the anti law enforcement garbage that you hear, all the rhetoric, especially during the campaign, the we were a political football, and, and you couldn't get away from it. Everywhere you went, it was, it's on your phone, it's on your TV, it's on your computer. Um, 
it's on it's on social media everybody's you know it's you can't get away from it no. and, and and that affects the whole family um, so we it just does. it's more important now than ever we got to make sure our cops are okay yes and and you know one of the things speaking about the family you know we as as do you guys and and all of us in law enforcement we recognize even though we don't really talk about it you know this is an instrumental change for a family uh, your uh, you may come into marrying uh, someone who's in law enforcement and until that time uh, you were working eight to five Monday right. through Friday right. right well guess what we don't do that and on our days off we've got to go to court and then oh we're flipping the midnights in two weeks and then uh, three months later we're going to be switching back to days so there's there is just a huge dynamic let alone what happens during the job just in the uh change in the family culture right of hey dad's here go brush teeth it's nighttime dad's not here dad's working shift he's working three to eleven he's not coming home until you're asleep right so there's so many different things that you know we want to get out there as as an organization and say look prepare yourselves get ready do these do these things do these simple things and in the long run it will help you uh deal with those stressors it will help with resiliency you'll be able to bounce back quicker um you'll be able to be uh for lack of a better term you'll feel like you're a better dad or a better husband or a better wife you know uh these that's this is really the mission that we're after well i think the other thing too that that for for the folks that are listening that are non-law enforcement we it's hard to turn it off you know when you talk about stress that stress doesn't end when we take off the uniform and we're at home you know we when we're um, i won't ever go to a restaurant and sit with my back to the door you got it you know um i'm always scanning the room i'm always paying attention to what's going on um and and that goes for driving that goes for if you're in a theater if if you're at the fair if you're you know whatever you're doing with your family um it's it's so hard to turn that off and that's a stressor too that we don't even that's like an unconscious stressor that we don't even think about you add that to that whole pile of everything else that we're dealing with got Um, it and and when you uh, yeah absolutely but when you think about that though um people are like uh you know individuals that are not familiar with law enforcement culture or communities, what they, what they fail to grasp is um, they go, Oh, you should be able to just go home and turn it off. And it doesn't work like that because it's just last night's arrest is tomorrow's helper at home Depot or uh, last night's arrest is the guy you run into at the grocery store. Right. So uh, there's always there's so many different facets of what goes into uh, law enforcement. I mean, you and I could probably sit here and talk hours about it, you you know, but but to say that we should be able to just go home and flip a switch. um, No, it 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 will it will never work that way. Um, If you can do that, uh, just please be careful, because that's. Um, that's one of those things that it's great that you can do that. However, there has to be a, for the job we do, 
there has to be a certain level of awareness just for our family's sake, just for our friend's sake, for Absolutely. everything else. It's Absolutely. just, it's just part of the job, so to speak. Yep. Yep. So your organization, you guys do a number of events throughout the year. Yes, Give sir. us an example of, of, uh, of what you guys do for these, these cops. All right. So, um, Perfect example. Next week, we're going to be in Dallas. So we are doing our annual dinner. We're bringing the families in, uh, the families of uh, officers lost to suicide. There are um, kids events that are planned. We're working on a walk uh, so that we could do a walk with all of our, all of our families together. Um, uh, we'll have uh, folks on hand to be able to talk with children, talk with some of the adults, uh, spouses that may need a little bit of help, a little bit of assistance. And then uh, we just bring them all together for some good camaraderie and, and let them know, Hey, look, you're not alone in this. There is, there is a lot of people here to support you. And then uh, we may, uh, we may do any number of different things at this point, like, uh, like our podcast. We do, I can't, I've done three or four in the last week. We will go uh, set up training somewhere and let these officers know, hey, look, look for these specific signs of stress. Right. Um, and then we'll tell the spouses, hey, look for these specific signs of stress, right? Um, there is there is so many different things that we are currently lining up with. Uh, our, our training is 3P ready and it's it's basically takes you from an officer to a supervisor to a clinician that it provides information all the way across the board for those individuals so that, you know, if you're a supervisor such as yourself and you could go, my guy's not looking too hot. Um, maybe I need to, you know, just see how he's doing, that kind of thing, you know? So, uh, and then from there, we also have all these other events going on. We've currently got an event going on tonight. Uh, a, a benefit for our firefighters out in California that um, uh, a, a brewing um, uh, company was nice enough to host and they brought in all these guys. And, um, and again, this is another opportunity to bring our first responders together, our families together. Uh, next week, we've got a golf tournament in Nevada that literally the the volunteers that aren't even really attached to the organization they're coming out of the woodwork i was on a zoom call with them last night they're probably 20 25 strong for this uh for this one golf tournament and i'm like whoa you know you got an army going on there so um the 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 ways that we try and and get that help out is you know, through our training, through things we do for our, our spouses, our significant others that lost someone to suicide, and then that community reach, because by and large, most people love their law enforcement officers. They love their firefighters and EMTs and paramedics and the communications officers, but you don't see it. And when we get these folks to come in from the community and actually give their time and say thank you, and we're glad to be here to help. Um, that's a, that's a big boost for our families. That's a big boost for family members that, that have lost someone, whether it be through suicide or from, uh, on the job incident, that kind of thing. So, uh, it's just, the list can go on and on, you know, what, uh, how things work together. And then it all comes out for the good of the officer. So I, I also saw that you partnered with, 
Motorola Solutions Foundation. Yes, Supporting sir. kids of officers that have died by suicide. Tell us a little bit uh, about that. Absolutely. Awesome. So, so yeah, we just kicked off some scholarships um, for those for those uh, children of officers lost by suicide. We've had excellent, excellent um, uh, responses from all kinds of different uh, uh, bigger corporations like that. Axon, AT and T. Yep. You know, all of these folks are coming together. Uh, the the uh, the scholarships are just another way that we can provide and Motorola can provide something to help these families. Because as you know, um, uh, Sheriff, I'm sure uh, just hypothetically speaking, if you were to uh, lose an officer to suicide or lose a right. deputy to suicide, yep. um, just talking with you today, I get the feeling that you would take care of that individual and that family, right? So Absolutely. many of our, so many of our, um, uh, of our widows, of our family members have just terrible stories about uh, officers committing suicide. And then the next day they cut the insurance um, officers committing suicide. And the uh, next thing you know, his friends, his buddies, they're nowhere to be found. Right. Um, you know, all of these different things go on. And, and when we're able to, to do these partnerships with Motorola and, and put out uh, the scholarships to help these kids get, get what they need, get to school, get whatever the case may be, you know, um, we're seeing a larger community now. We're seeing those big corporations come forward and say, yeah, it's about time we do do something and help uh, these families. Yes, it is. It is. is They're they're kind of the forgotten family to me, to forgotten survivor families. Um, That is, that is correct. And, and unfortunately for, for them, um, it, it happens so quick. Right. Uh, it's, it's literally a, a next day affair and no. they're gone. I mean, they're, they were in a bigger family, right? They were in that family. That was one asterisk. It was that, that was the, the blue line and, right. and within a day it's gone. gone. So there it, it's, it is, uh, it is breathtaking to hear some of these yeah. things. So, oh, it's just heartbreaking. I it just, is. It you know, is. Just, we got to take care of our folks. Um, we do, and the, you know, whether it's a line of duty death or whether it's a, um, a fallen off officer by suicide. And frankly, you know, the, uh, I think arguably very few law enforcement suicides are not, are very few of them are not law enforcement related. Right. You know what I mean? So, yes, sir. um, you know, they're, they're heroes that served and, and for, for one reason or another, the, the, you know, the, they're gone because of this career. Absolutely. And, uh, but they're still heroes. You know, we still have to recognize that in the service that they, the services and their sacrifice and, and, uh, you know, the, everything their family's been through and, and just like the line of duty death families, we have to take care of the survivor families from officers. We've lost that way as well. Um, absolutely. Now I will, I will say this though, that, um, I was talking with Karen today before we came on because I wanted to get some numbers together. So I, I want to be clear, you know, I know it's, we discuss these things and it's a bad situation, no doubt about it. And, but things are getting better. We've got four States now that have recognized, uh, law enforcement suicide awareness day. We just had our fourth one come in. I believe it was Rhode Island today. So September 26th, you know, we are getting these proclamations done throughout the States. We're getting that legislation pushed through. We are, um, we are starting to see a turn in the way, uh, 
in the in the way we respond to that. So that is that is is it. I don't want to say it's too little, too late. Are we on the right track? Absolutely, we're on the yeah. right track. And, and part of it is just getting our leadership to start talking about it. Absolutely, yes, and sir. Keep pushing it down and pushing it to the side, and because that's what we've done for way too long, and that's created that stigma that uh, you know that everybody's afraid of, and uh, we just gotta it, we gotta get past that. We do because that that stigma is, uh, for lack of a better term, it's deadly. So uh, it it is something that we definitely need to get. Uh, our officers and our leaders to understand, look, this is, this is a normal thing that happens after, after an incident, after having so many things go on during a uh, career. Uh, It's, it's not that you're weird. It's not that you're broken. It's what the mind does. Right. So, um, I just think what you guys do is great. Um, Thank you. And I, and, and I want to make sure that if, whether it's a, whether it's an officer or whether it's a, a Cleo, a chief or a, a sheriff, or whether it's a family, what's their best way to find out more about your organization? So uh, I could tell you, we've got a pretty good social media presence. Um, obviously you can find us on uh, uh, Facebook. I'll call it right. The, the right name this time, Facebook, because you know, <laughs> it kind of, kind of aggravates me every now and then. I so I, too. <laughs> But uh, uh, quite the following on Instagram, uh, we've got our websites up. You guys can you can find us uh, uh, first help with a one uh, st instead of spelling it out, and then we've got blue help, red help, uh, the white help, and gold help are coming online here just shortly. So these are brand new programs that we're standing up. But the, all of those are org. So you can feel free to go to any of those websites. There is contact information out there. There's volunteer form out there. If you want to report uh, someone lost by suicide, there's a reporting form on there for you guys to do that. So um, I would encourage everybody to just go to one of the websites, read our mission statement, read our vision statement. You know, we're there to promote wellness for all of our first responders and to get rid of that stigma and uh and push that awareness level of mental health so that we can we can cut this off at the pass yeah and with and just a reminder for everybody you know when you're talking the different the different colors um, yes a lot of people forget about dispatch or some some agencies or states call them telecommunicators right um you know those folks to me uh are, are they're the they're the they're the first people that come in contact with those that are going through crisis. Yes. And, th- and our dispatchers, when we're out on the street, we t- we get to take care of one call at a time. Mm-hmm. Regardless of how stressful it is, it's still one call at a time where our dispatchers, especially in smaller dispatch agencies that maybe have two or three on or even one on at a time, they're dealing with everything. Uh, and and yeah. they don't ever get, oftentimes they don't ever get any closure because they're not there. There you go. That's, you know, that you were hitting, you were hitting right where I was going to take it. So um, the fact that uh, we have these men and women that will sit behind a console for 12 hours out of a day and take these calls. And then um, they are, uh, if they hear an officer chasing someone or they hear an officer calling for backup and literally at that point uh, they have a job to do, but they're only left to their imagination as to what's really going on there right um you know this is uh this is one of those things that we go you know 
I think about that. And it's funny because before we started all of this, I never, uh, I've always, you know, joked with the dispatchers and we've always uh, got along well with our communications officers. But the bottom line is, is when it's going down, they've got no, they've got no recourse. They're there. Um, and, um, and then at the end of the night, what do they do? They get in their car and they go. So, uh, most, most definitely we need to be taking care of our communications officers and letting them know, you know, Hey, uh, this is, this is not unusual for you either. We do, when we do our peer support stuff, we bring our communications officers in there. The communications officer that was involved, uh, that was on the radio when I got shot, she was 21 years old at the time, six, six months in the job. And, and she had to handle a call like that. She did it perfectly. I couldn't have asked for a better uh, communications officer. So, uh, but you know, we have definitely got to, uh, it's, it's no longer just about the cops, right? No. And it's no longer just about the fire, the firemen. So right. it, it's, it's about everybody involved in that first responder yep. realm. The whole component of that first response to yes. these crises. And um, yes, sir. I just, you know, I, I, I worked in dispatch when I first started and, um, you know, learned firsthand being back then it was just one dispatcher on, you know, firsthand how stressful it is in there. And the fact that, um, and unless the officers come in and give you a little debrief on what happened, you don't ever hear it. Right. You know? And um, yep. yeah, I just worry about those guys too, guys and gals that, uh, you know, we just got to make sure that they're, they're good too. And what, what we did okay. with our peer support program is we, one of our peer support team members is part of dispatch. So we make sure we have somebody in that area, you know, that sure. can help those folks and that's there to talk and, and uh, be there to support them. And um Got to. Yeah, we just got to remember them. So you get, you got to. Steve, thank yeah. you so much for being here. Thank you. Um, it's just, I, it's so important. And this month, we've really been focusing on it, and and uh, especially with with Corey's story, uh, the Corey Slifko story. That you know, he was a friend of mine, and and uh, I grew up with his his wife's family, and and um, we just got to make sure we take care of those folks. And I, I just, we just want to make sure that people know, regardless, well, granted I'm in Minnesota, but, but you, 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 you're there for everybody. I mean, it doesn't matter what state they're from. You got um, it. You know, you've got the resources for them. So, so, so uh, thank you again for so much for being here and for what you do and your service and please stay Thanks. safe. It's same to you and same yeah. to, uh, same to all your guys on the road, you know, everybody yeah. needs to be safe. And I appreciate you, uh, giving us the time to get the word out today. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks, Steve. Hey, everybody Thanks. else, if you're interested in more information about the officer down Memorial podcast and our mission, you can check out our website. It's at officer down You can also follow us on Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, Instagram. Uh, you can watch our video versions of these podcasts on YouTube and our rumble account as well. So, Thanks, everyone, for joining us, and we'll see you next time. A Huda Media Production.